Well, kia ora and welcome to the Hill Country Futures Partnership Program podcast series designed to equip New Zealand Hill Country farmers with decision-making tools and the best forage options for a whole farm system approach, which in turn future-proofs the profitability, sustainability and well-being of our pastoral farmers. I'm your host for this series, Seraperium Lamp, proud to support thriving hill country communities. And another episode with Professor Derek Moot, where we're talking about the soil and fertiliser series within the Hill Country Futures Programme that has been developed, published a series of 11 fact sheets. Derek, tell us about the topics for the series and why were they selected, uh, of these 11 fact sheets? That's a good question, Sarah. A lot of um, information that we've got on fertilisers has been based around um, dairy systems. And so a lot of the fertiliser trials are done on flat land because that's quite easy. Um, but there wasn't a lot of specific information out there for hill country farmers. So one of the things we did in this program was actually just draw together the information that was available and put it into a package of um fact sheets. So looking at what previous researchers had found in terms of phosphorus and sulfur and potassium responses and putting all of that information into um, some fact sheets that were accessible to, to farmers. The key issue, as most people will know, we need phosphorus to grow legumes. This country is um, based on us flying superphosphate across the hill country and we know that. But once we've got the Olsen P levels up quite high, which we have on a lot of our hill country, we then have to start challenging, well, do we need to keep flying superphosphate on? And what we find is that it becomes sulfur that becomes deficient. So we've got to make sure we get sulfur into the system. And then as these, these areas become more productive, actually the P levels and the S levels can be okay, but the pH starts to drop. And that means it becomes more acidic. As you grow more pasture, you get more acidity. So what's the use of lime and how much lime do we need to put on? And everyone knows that, that's tried to apply lime on hill country that that's an expensive exercise. So uh, trying to package some of those things up and, and um, allow farmers to make some more informed decisions was what this series was really about. And dare I ask, independent source of information? Of course. Um, look, I think New Zealand farmers are actually reasonably well serviced by our cooperative um, soils groups. I think that the two major ones that po most people would be utilising are actually very good at their jobs. Um, but this was really to come outside of those and say, well, look, these are the things that drive production. These are what's these are the nutrients that are important, and and um, these are the things you should be thinking about. And in particular, when it comes to things like red and white clover and lucerne, the requirements are different based on uh, the different balance that you'll have in the soil, so therefore understanding it's a real need. Yes, and recognising that there are some nutrients that we require more of in different parts of the country. So lucerne, for example, um, if you cut and carry it, requires a lot of potassium, but if you graze it, you put all that potassium back into the, the system. Also reminding farmers that trace elements like molybdenum are important for um, legumes, that uh, a lot of farmers have gone a long time putting superphosphate on, maybe the farm's passed down a generation and dad's forgotten to tell 
um, the, in the succession planning that actually every five years or so I should be putting some molybdic super on, not just super phosphate. So some of those sorts of questions we were answering and, and thinking about. Uh, and you mentioned there around grazing versus not and, and what it does in terms of changing that. Anything in terms of trace elements and animal health? Um, that's the really key thing about the molybdenum and copper. So a lot of people will um, have a hesitancy of putting molybdenum on their farm because you can get um, a tie-up with copper, which can then cause some animal health issues. So it's recognising that those two uh, need to be managed um, together. But we can't do without molybdenum if we want legumes, because molybdenum is required for nitrogen fixation to take place. So if you want the legumes to fix nitrogen, rather than have to get it out of a bag, you've got to make sure there's some molybdenum in the system, and it needs to go on about every four or five years in that superphosphate. So some of those trace element things become important. What about timing of application? Yeah, the, the um, there's a lot of conversations about timing of application and really plants use nutrients um, when they're most actively growing. So the time that they take up the most nutrients is spring when they've got moisture and the sunshine's warm and, and away they go. But the testing for the nutrients is probably best done in the autumn. That's where we get our most stable reading for something like sulfur, um, which is, changes a lot with the amount of soil organic matter you've got and also rainfall. So we might suggest a lot of the soil testing happens in the autumn, but um, particularly in wet winter areas, the application of that fertilizer in spring is probably uh, more important than putting it on in the in the, the autumn. If, it, if you've got a wet winter, there's a danger of potentially losing sulfur out of the system. It's negatively charged, the same as nitrogen, as, as nitrate. Um, sulfur is sulfate. So if you have a high rainfall environment, you can lose the sulfur that's in your superphosphate. Hence, we talk to people about putting that on um, in the spring, particularly in, in very wet winter regions. Otherwise, it's an absolute waste of money. It's just going through the soil profile. So That's right. Fantastic. So these 11 fact sheets, what is the content that they cover across to give us a bit of a taster? Well, all of those things that we've mentioned, so um, pH, lime, different nutrients for different species, um, phosphorus, sulfur, how much you might need, what different land classes might require, so um, different slopes and aspects, uh, which ones are going to need more fertiliser than, than others. So really just the whole idea of fertilising the hill country and providing some guidelines that you can then be a little bit more informed when you're having those conversations with your fertiliser rep. How to read a soil test? Yes, yeah, some of that too. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Derek. And the Hill Country Futures website, I swear to God, it is such a great resource of information. And particularly these 11 fact sheets are available at hillcountriesfutures.co.nz to empower you with the information to be able to make more informed decisions there. Uh, so that, therefore, when you are purchasing fertiliser, you are purchasing it for the right reasons uh, to ensure that you have longevity of resilient pastures. This is part of a wider podcast series of Hill Country Futures Partnership Program, which is a wrap of the $8.1 million research program co-founded by Beef and Lamb New Zealand, Ministry for Business, Innovation and Employment, PGG Rights and Seeds and Seed Force New Zealand. For more information, visit hillcountryfutures.co.nz. And of course, the Beef and Lamb New Zealand Knowledge Hub is huge with heaps of resources online as well. Namahi nui.